Who are we? Are you sure you want to know? We're your friendly neighborhood podcast hosts, Sean and Peter, and welcome to So Much to Tell, a Raimi Spider-Man podcast. The hills are alive with the sound of music. That's right, we're taking a look, or should I say, a listen to, the film score of the opening movie of the trilogy, Spider-Man 1. That's right, Spider-Fans. We're going to dissect and discuss the strains, the notes, the themes, the motifs, the pieces of music woven together in a magnificent web by Danny Elfman that helped make Spider-Man 1 so memorable. Peter, this is a topic that uh, you have had a very keen interest in this for a long time. And I just think it's really neat that we're doing this because, you know, one of the very, very first projects we worked on together back in college involving Spider-Man involved the the score to this movie. Uh, do you remember that project? Oh, yeah. Um, that was, in a way, our first, uh, our very first collaboration on Raimi Spider-Man. I pulled it up, actually, to check it out. And it's okay. You know, I think <laughs> the writing's a little dicey on my part. It doesn't quite hold up, but that's good. You know, that shows that... Uh, I think I've progressed anyway, so in some ways it's good to look back and cringe a little bit, but uh, I think a lot of the, the thoughts that I had about the score were all mostly the same uh, from then until now, um, and yeah, because I wasn't extremely well-versed in communicating music, you know, I, I went to you that's- as a musician that I knew and fellow Raimi fan. I was about to say that that's exactly why you brought me in to help because uh, you knew right. I had had a little bit of musical training. I, I was in the band in high school, you know, for all four years I did band in college as well. So, I mean, I know how to read music. I know most of the basic vocabulary with music, but I've also, I definitely don't know music theory all that well, but yeah, it was, it was, I tried to help out and I think I, I recall you got a good grade on that paper, so I feel, I guess I didn't screw it I up did. too much. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> I did. No, we, we worked our way through it, and I hope we can... Really, this is sort of a, a further extension of that in a lot of ways. I'd say so. Um, you know, hopefully maybe a little bit uh, even better than it was, you know, when it was a school homework assignment. But I, I just do. I love the score. Uh, I love Danny Elfman. <laughs> Big Danny Elfman fan. Um Spotify sometimes tells you, you know, at the end of the year, the artists you listen to, not to brag or anything, but I was like in like the (laughs) 0.005% of Danny Elfman fans or something it said, like people that listen to Danny Elfman. Wow, that's interesting. I was one of the top listeners of Danny Elfman, not to brag or anything, but just to sort of, you know, convey my level of interest for the sake of my knowledge base here with what we're about to discuss. I I don't think anybody would question that. I mean, Peter, I've known you a long time and you're, you're just a very ardent fan of film scores of all kinds. I mean, uh, Star True. Wars, Back to oh, the yeah. Future, um, so many other movies. You're, you know, a natural at being able to pick out the little pieces of music that really help tell the story. I love it. I um, love it. In so many movies, you just really, it's just not the same if you take out that music. Like, imagine watching Star Wars without the epic sound of John Williams. You know, it just mm-hmm. it just wouldn't work. And I think... Really, the central point of this episode is is just that Spider-Man by Sam Raimi just would not be the same either, especially yeah. Spider-Man 1, where a lot of those pieces of music are being set up to be used again and again right. throughout 
you know the whole trilogy. So I think uh, music. Yeah, that's one really... thing. That's one great thing. You know, there's a really strong, yeah. really dense thematic consistency to the music uh, across this trilogy, which is you know very appreciated from a just from a pure listening standpoint, because it suits the film. But I mean, what's really impressive is that you can separate it from the visuals entirely and just really enjoy yourself. You yeah. can hear the narrative. You know, you can hear these things hmm. happening. And uh, I guess we're going to talk a little bit about how Danny Elfman manages to do that. A- absolutely. Um, just Danny Elfman for, you know, I'm sure many of you know this already, but I, aside from Spider-Man, I, pr- I primarily know him for, this is probably an insult to him, honestly, but I know him for writing the uh, Simpsons theme song, which I think is I a really, you're gonna you know, say that. Well, it's a really iconic uh, piece of TV theme song history. So. I, I heard him in an interview say once, like, you know, that's the one thing that follows him around everywhere. You know, he wrote like one piece of music and he's like, sure, that's going to be on his gravestone. Like, here lies Danny Elfman. He wrote the Simpsons theme. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have to imagine it would be frustrating. You, you do so much and that's the one thing people still know you for. Well, but... Danny Elfman has had a heck of a career. Let me say that. You know, he started out touring with his brother, Richard Elfman, uh, hmm. in a musical theater troupe, a little bit of an offbeat thing, huh. called the Mystic in- Knights of the Oingo Boingo. And that was <laughs> that was a very interesting well, time period for them. Wow. And then after a while, uh, Richard Elfman sort of passed the baton of the troupe to his younger brother, Danny. Hmm. And Danny sort of like reformed it into more of a popular music band called Oingo Boingo. Oh, and, okay. Uh, yeah, I've heard. I've heard of that. Yeah, a number of great albums. Yeah, hmm. right. So I mean, he was primarily like a singer songwriter for a long time. Hmm. Up until Tim Burton sort of discovered him. Tim Burton was a fan, and when Tim Burton was going to direct his first feature length film, the first Pee Wee Herman movie, he talked with Paul Rubens, Pee Wee Herman himself, about it, and they were actually both fans of Danny Elfman and hmm. Oingo Boingo, and they went to ask Danny if he would score it, and he, I mean, he said no, like he didn't hmm. want to do it. But they really wanted him to do it. But he said, well, I can't do that. I've never done it before. And then finally, he just said to himself, what the heck? Yeah. I think he used stronger words than that to himself. <laughs> but he said, you know, what the heck? If they want me to ruin their movie, fine. I'll do it. Yeah. And he did it. And the rest is history. You know, wow. I mean, he's done more and more things not too long after that. He did Batman and sort of changed the, the world with Batman. I mean, Batman is right up there with Superman still as one of like the most iconic mm-hmm. superhero themes of all time. 1989's Batman. So uh, he's covered a lot of different styles over the years yeah. and uh, began his collaboration with Sam Raimi uh, with 1990's Darkman. Hmm. So they've had quite a few years of collaboration together, and that led them to Spider-Man. Well, it's a shame that their collaboration on Spider-Man kind of ended on a bad note, uh, no pun intended, but... Uh, <laughs> no, that's, that's true. Yeah. yeah, that's maybe a little bit of the elephant in the room that they did have sort of falling out by the end of Spider-Man 2, which is a real shame. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But I am happy that they were able to, you know, work it out for Oz the Great and Powerful and uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. So that's great. In the, lo- in the long run, you know, they've, uh, they've worked out their differences. But just within the Raimi trilogy, unfortunately, uh, they weren't able to do the trifecta together. But No, but, you know, his, his musical imprint is still strong in that movie because it's just... He just laid down such a great foundation in the first movie. I am just blown away with the the, the musical complexities of the storytelling. Yeah. And I think one of the best things to do, it was tempting when I was figuring out how to do this episode, sort of just to like step through every single 
cue and discuss it. But I think maybe the the most interesting thing to do would be just to sort of stop and appreciate all the major themes and what they do mm-hmm. and their their place in the score. So we're starting, I suppose, with uh, the Spider-Man theme. Seems like a good place to start. I, I would say so. I think uh, he's main character. The movie's named after him, so... It makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> so Spider-Man sort of has like a very long-lined theme in some ways. You listen to it in the main titles, and it, it goes on for quite a while. There's a lot of material there that Elfman wrote to represent Spider-Man, and yet he doesn't need to use all of that. Like, he can reference Spider-Man using that material in as little as five, four, three, sometimes even like two notes to evoke that theme. Hmm. So it becomes very uh, malleable, which is great because mm-hmm. of, you know, it can slip in and out, especially when he's musically fighting with the goblin. Yeah. But the five notes that you hear the most associated with it. And that's just a, like, what a great visual representation oh, yeah. of Spider-Man sort of swinging Ex- through exactly. the air. Exactly. I, 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 up and down uh, through these buildings. Or I, I think of him like running, you know, like I feel like I hear that piece of music in the movie when he's running toward danger. He's running, hmm. you know, like where he's chasing Uncle Ben's killer or he's, yeah. you know, racing to save Mary Jane or something. I, I feel like I associate that with him running headlong into danger, which is what he does. You know, when you're a hero, that's what you do. You put yourself in harm's way. And so I think that, yeah, that those little... Those five notes there really evoke that, or at least they, that association is very solidified in my own mind. Yeah, I can sort of see, sort of like springing into action, you know, rising, a little bit of fall, and then like a jump back up. There's a nobility to it. There's a, there's a brassy heroism to it. I know Danny Elfman said, when he was putting together the music, you know, he says in the composer profile and the behind the scenes uh, portion of the Spider-Man 1 DVD, I thought that was very clear. That's Spider-Man, a hero swinging through buildings and saving the girl. Something really brassy and heroic. Hmm. And it's true. He nails it. He nails it. But -hmm. like not only that, too, but it's also able to take on all these different colors, too. Like there's a great moment in um, the queue is called Parade Attack. And so just after the Green Goblin has attacked the Unity, World Unity Festival, Peter saves MJ. And just like a gorgeous very romantic bent to it this theme like a very flowing like it, it can take on these more heroic noble ideas but it can also take on these very romantic mm-hmm. ideas as well Well, sometimes you hear it, it's just um, the brass instruments alone. Sometimes you hear the violin or the other strings embellishing it a little bit. So, yeah. you know, and I think those those certainly accent the situation. Sometimes, you know, if it's more somber, they might do it one way. If it's more romantic, they might do it another way. So I think just what instruments they use in the arrangement there can really also help tell the story. Yeah. And the first time we hear it, you know, we have that great main titles sequence. It actually starts out with some notes of Mary Jane's theme, which I think is very prescient, very key, because as Peter tells us, this story is all about a girl. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's 
it's iconic in its own right, I would say. I mean, every, you know, even if you're not really into the score, you know that first, <laughs> those first few notes, you know, you hear those at the beginning of the movie, you know you're in for a good time. Yeah, you know, and of course, you know, we've decided to allude to that reference that in, in our opening titles here, <laughs> uh, it's just that iconic. And then it goes directly from that into a couple, like, very early, very thin sounds of the Spider-Man theme. And I just, I do love that very opening of the the overture. It, it has like a very, very thin, very fine, almost like a single strand of a web sort of appearing. It's just like a very like mythic, like in, mm-hmm. in the beginning there was darkness, <laughs> you know, sort of vibe, you know? And then like it slowly builds and grows and this whole symphonic fantasy world opens up. And then, you know, over the course of the overture, Danny Elfman introduces us to the Spider-Man theme, as well as a theme for Peter Parker, which we'll get into a little bit. And then also, like, a lot of the instrumentation he's going to use. He's got these, like, sizzling electronics in the overture, adding that particular flavor, and that'll be infused throughout the score. You know, of course, a very strong traditional orchestra with a lot Mm -hmm. of Mm -hmm. really prominent brass and strings flowing everywhere. And then uh, there's a, a very specific sort of percussion to it too i was thinking about the percussion just right now like you know you hear the 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 strings with mary jane's theme but then you hear that percussion i don't know it just has that Uh, foreboding yeah excited it really does i mean it just has that pulsing you know sense of excitement to it yeah so a lot of different percussion was used mm-hmm. and i know Danny Elfman said like he chose from a lot of different things you know including prominently some drums that make their home in northern india hmm. in africa and i think it helps give it this um sort of historic flavor you know going along with this mythicality of spider-man yeah there's a sense hmm. of history i think with like these drums and these percussion and then also like a sense of the now you know, the modern day hmm. bustling, you know, city yeah. with these electronics buzzing around. Hmm. And then, of course, that that's very it, that's heroic... interesting. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, flowing through it all is that very heroic, noble, classic, traditional brass giving us that hmm. Spider-Man theme. And that, like, main theme, I think um, you've described it as, you know, like an overture. And it's great because you can listen to that little piece by itself and you yeah. can hear all these themes that come up over and over again introducing you to these ideas already. Yeah, yeah. There's such a strong musical narrative here. Mm-hmm. The first time we hear that Spider-Man theme in the film proper isn't until just after Peter's bitten by the spider. You know, certainly makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Even that, it's not even like the full Spider-Man theme. It's like early shades of it. Mm-hmm. Because it's not developed yet. You know, it's just harbinging what's to come. Mm-hmm. we get a lot more of it a little more prominently mm-hmm. Peter gets back home feeling sick 
we get a nice burst of it, mm -hmm. muscular and heroic, giving you an idea of what's to come, as we're having this like trippy montage of the, you know, Peter's DNA being merged with Spider's DNA. That montage of him literally being transformed is very unsettling. And I, and I know in that same piece of music, we get to hear the beginnings of what will become the Goblin's uh, musical motifs and cues. True, yeah, because the film sort of sets up their dual creations of their new personas, personae, however you like to say it. And so, yeah, the, the cue itself is just called Transformations, and it does cover both of them. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, that's it for, like, the first time we really get to hear Spider-Man's theme, as that's merging with him, becoming a part of his identity. Mm -hmm. uh, and then as he wakes up, you know, we hear it again. As he's, um... Checking himself out in the mirror. Yeah, yeah. He got swole. Yeah. And he's wondering, how did that happen? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> You know, it's sort of more soft and gentle on woodwinds, you know, as he's sort of like coming to terms with that. Like, wow. <laughs> it's not brassy and heroic yet. It's just sort of this quietly stunned, amazed sort of mm -hmm. almost fantasy that he's like, wow, I, geez, not bad, you know? Yeah, I, I, can, I can work with this. <laughs> um, so then that, that theme, the Spider-Man theme, continues to grow and really follow Peter, really giving you an idea of like, what's going on in his head, conveying his emotions, you mm -hmm. know, like film scores are wont to do. And they, it takes on these different tones, these different colors, depending on the situation, the way Peter's perceiving his mm -hmm. powers at any given moment. When he goes into that alleyway, for instance, you know, after fighting with Flash, and it's you know, a little bit of a disturbing moment of his new powers, we get sort of a really horror-flavored take on the Spider-Man music as we get that like extreme mm, close-up oh, yeah. the hair is protruding from his fingers now. That's and that's another iconic scene by the way that would not be the same without the music there accompanying it. You know, you have yeah the little hairs growing out of his fingers, you know, those notes that um I don't know if you want to call it staccato, but like that accent that you get when he puts his hand on the wall. And you I hear was going to say that. I love that. that. Yeah. This this cue, new powers. You know, I love that moment. He puts his first hand on the wall Bump. and another one. And, you know, Elfman matches Bump. that musically. Yeah, the term they like to use sometimes is called Mickey Mousing, hmm. uh, which is sort of taken from like old Mickey Mouse cartoons where like the music follows very closely with the action. Hmm. You know, it's like if a character sort of like falls off a cliff and bounces it, the music will go, ooh, boing, you know. <laughs> so sort of the term for like matching something very closely that's happening hmm. physically with music. But it's okay. like he sort of does that in a very cool way as Peter's climbing up the wall. And it's this momentous, very exciting moment as his hands meet and the music reflects that after that like i say the way peter's feeling about his powers at any given moment we get this exciting thrilling strains of music now mm -hmm. it has some shades of the spider-man theme as peter's leaping from building to building it's not really quite the spider-man theme yet because you know he's not quite spider-man yet 
but there's shades of it there. Yeah, right you know, now his powers fun. are just yeah exactly he's just having fun they're uh, uh, an interesting novelty but yeah he's not i don't think he's Exploring. contemplating he's, he's like yeah finding himself exactly yes no you know along with the metaphor of this film of growing up coming into adulthood and the new powers that come with that he hasn't fully integrated all these parts but right now he's just exploring and having a lot of fun with it seeing himself in the mirror now he realizes he has these powers to leap from walls i mean who wouldn't have that reaction? No, yeah. I mean, the music is so exuberant. It has this, like, pure piano sort of bubbling beneath it with excitement. Yeah. The music really captures the way he's doing that. And like I said, I like that we don't quite have the Spider-Man theme, but we do have the shades of it that informs where he is with it. It's not fully integrated into him yet. Hmm. And we get a little bit of the Spider-Man theme, though, on some woodwinds as he makes his first leap with the webbing as he's getting a little closer to the identity sort of a frightened sort of distorted rendition of the spider-man theme Mm -hmm. he's at this vertiginous perch and he's not quite sure about this leap Mm mm-hmm the music at this point in the score is all about Peter finding that identity and integrating it into himself. And the next scene where we get the uh, theme is the costume montage, which I think is sure of like a breakout piece from the score because it's so different. It, it stands is. out it from the rest of the score. You know the one I mean? Yeah, I, I did. I just listened to it uh, recently and it was interesting because the instrumentation was different. That was the first yes. thing that I noticed yes. and that I you can recall it has the guitar jam and electric guitar yeah it's just different but i think it kind of maybe goes along with this youthful fantasizing that peter's doing like oh i'll get yeah. the cool like it's this cool sounding sort of thing and he's like oh i'll get the car i'll be cool i'll be this cool kid with you know the cool girlfriend it'll be great i'm tough now that i'm macho i can finally seize life that i've uh, kind of wanted all these years yeah, and it is the Spider-Man theme. We hear the Spider-Man theme, like, jamming out with these electric guitars, you know, as Peter's youthful spirits, you know, he sits down, sort of fantasizes about getting with the girl he loves, getting this cool car, being a cool guy. And again, he's sort of looking for the identity. We get this montage of him, like, trying to decide, okay, what am I going to be? What am I going to look like? And, you know, just great musical storytelling here. As Peter colors in that image of Spider-Man, you know, gets sort of closer to the one that he'll ultimately become, mm-hmm. Elfman lets the brass grow into the theme more. It sort of takes over from the electric guitars. Getting closer to that you know, traditional orchestral sound that the mm-hmm. Spider-Man theme will most often take. Uh, which I love that. Yeah. The track itself is just a lot of fun. It's it's a very self-contained sort of track. It's very different instrumentally, and it stands out because of that. But there's a lot of great musical storytelling there. Well, I wanted to say that part of that same track, I believe, is after he's done with the montage of designing the costume, he's 
He's practicing his web around his room there. He's trying to web different things and, you know, retrieve them, bring them to himself. And there's this really fun piece that plays there. And it mm. kind of reminds me of almost like a Wild West sounding sort of thing. wild and rambunctious I, I definitely hear what you mean about like a rodeo you that's exact that's a that's it it's like a rodeo yeah it, that's exactly it and maybe that's a little bit what he's doing with his webbing you know i think i think you're right i think yeah he's trying to lasso the lamp he's trying to lasso the dr pepper can and you know not having a lot of luck he's still pretty <laughs> new with all of this so he's kind of still trying to figure everything out but yeah it's just such a fun montage from start to finish you know from the costume design to imagining this perfect life that'll happen if he goes to this wrestling match and then him trying to practice and get ready for the match, and it's just, yeah, you're right, such a great piece of storytelling. Some of uh, the theme's most significant development, though, is going to come you know, at Peter's lowest point in his life so far, uh, when we get to the cue, Revenge. That's a piece of music that covers from the moments right after he lets the killer go, through his uncle's death, and then uh, you know, ultimately coming home to Aunt May and giving her the terrible news. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot going on in that uh, in that track. Oh yeah, there's a lot of a uh, lot of different things going on there. A lot of it is reprising stuff we've already heard, but you know, taking it in a new direction. Yes, yes, absolutely. As as Uncle Ben's dying on the ground, we get a couple of strains of the Spider-Man theme, very mournfully lamenting this moment, and is just sort of reinforcing that it's Spider-Man, Peter's powers his use of them specifically, that have indirectly, but nonetheless, led to this moment. Mm -hmm. This is certainly something that's going to define Peter over the course of everything he does. And maybe some of that, too, is uniting the Spider-Man theme to that moment. Because from now on, whenever Peter uses his powers, it's going to be with this in mind. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of a lot you can take away musically from how prominent the Spider-Man theme specifically is to these moments mm -hmm. of Uncle Ben's passing. Oh, sure. For sure. As Uncle Ben actually passes and you know his hand slips from peter's we get peter's theme slash the responsibility thing which we will cover more in a little bit from there as peter hears where his uncle's killer is going the spider-man theme just growls as Peter switches into that identity. You know, the same identity, the same powers that got his Uncle Ben killed, now he's going to use them to avenge his uncle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do have to hand it to Elfman, too. For a track about avenging your uncle's killer, I mean, it's downright fun. The orcs, it's very enjoyable. Yeah, no. You know, with all the electronics it, I agree. buzzing I, around, percussion mm -hmm. banging away. Very exciting. And then we get this tense moment of Peter. 
he's at a high perch once again mm -hmm. and has to again make a leap. We've been here before. Mm -hmm. We've had some off-kilter version of uh, the Spider-Man theme mm -hmm. as Peter did this previously. It wasn't quite the Spider-Man theme we'll come to know and love yet. He was still getting there. He's still learning. And so now we have a similar moment. We've got these great plucked strings and pounding brass. It's very tense. It sort of almost feels like the heart beating. You know, Peter's heart very anxious as he prepares to make, you know, his biggest leap of faith yet. The music covers that slight hesitation, that fear. Before we get sort of a proto-Spidey theme. On like this bed of swirling strings as Peter struggles to get his footing, so to speak, as he's swinging. It's kind of chaotic. He hasn't quite mastered it yet. And then, as Peter shoots another web, and he sort of gets back into the, the flow of it, mm -hmm. and we get this full-blown statement of the Spider-Man theme, hmm. complete with choir and timpani, and it really conveys this epic mythic grandeur of Spider-Man's first true swing into action. Hmm. Sandy, trilling woodwinds, and it's like, he's arrived. This is Spider-Man. Doesn't quite look like Spider-Man yet, but, you know, Peter is as close as he's come yet yeah. to this identity that will define his destiny. Hmm. I keep saying this phrase, but just beautiful musical storytelling, how Elfman sort of really slowly and carefully adapts this theme to where Peter is in relation to these powers mm -hmm. so far building up to this moment, really. Yeah, it's it's incremental. It's sort of, uh, yeah, it doesn't all come at once. It's over the first part of the movie there, and it, you know, but the payoff is really, you know, it's really special. Oh, yeah. It's very much worth the wait, I would say. And then that sort of leads then into a track titled City Montage. Mm -hmm. Certainly the events of what transpired that night have been really getting to Peter, you know, after some words from Aunt May, thinks back to his Uncle Ben and what he would want him to do with these powers that he has. And as he pulls out his wrestling costume, he looks over his image that he originally drew of Spider-Man, the costume as we know it. Mm -hmm. And then we get this great montage of Peter going around the city, doing good deeds. And we get these couple snippets of the Spider-Man theme. And then we get, we get this very brassy theme, sort of like weaving in and out of this skittering electronic soundscape. Mm -hmm. There's like a magical mythicality to New York discovering Spider-Man hmm. and Spider-Man meeting New York because we get this sort of twinkling sounds in the score. <laughs> Guy with eight legs. Sounds, Sounds hot. hot. <laughs> It's this great rousing, sweeping, proper introduction to our friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Mm -hmm. By this point, the Spider-Man theme is pretty firmly established then. It's grown, and here it is. And now it's getting to the point where 
it's going to meet some opposition. Mm-hmm. I love the Q Parade Attack. What a great track. Very exciting. A really cool musical battle between Spider-Man's theme and the Goblin's theme. Bit more uh, highbrow than, say, epic rap battles of history in terms of uh, musical battles, but uh, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> Spider-Man's theme like first swings in as Peter charges into battle, Superman-style, mm. to join the fray as Goblin's rushing around. Then their themes just go mano a mano, just as the characters do on screen. Hmm. We have these electronics and there's harp glissandi and these arpeggiated strings sort of outlining the action of their acrobatic twists and turns as their themes bounce back and forth. If there could possibly be a way to visually represent one theme song punching another theme song in complete <laughs> conflict over each other, yeah. I think that's it. Hmm. And they go back and forth and back and forth, and then ultimately, you know, by the end of this, Peter makes a final move on the goblin for this scene and sends him packing. Mary Jane's imperiled. The tension builds. The music sort of builds and builds, and then it just releases with Spider-Man's triumphant music. It launches into that as Peter makes this heroic save. And then it just floats into just this gorgeous, flowingly romantic rendition. For one thing, just showing the versatility of how this theme can be employed. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you can give it that mood that you want it to have. Yeah, you can use it on brass. It's very heroic. Or like here, we have these you know, soft woodwinds with this theme and you know, this harp and these little delicate chimes. And another thing I think that's interesting, as opposed to using the love theme in this moment, instead we're using a romantic version of Spider-Man's theme, is that musical storytelling, for me, it sort of suggests that, like, Spider-Man is the, the primary attraction here. Hmm, interesting. Spider-Man is the thing that's bringing MJ and Peter together finally in this moment. And it's sort of Spider-Man at this point that MJ's sort of really falling for, you know, yeah. as opposed to actually the two of them getting closer. So I, I kind of like that usage of it here for that reason, because there's... Yes, it's romantic, and yes, they're getting closer, but there's still that barrier there of, yeah. of Spider-Man. A, li a literal mask. Yeah, a literal mask. And it's a barrier in some senses, but it's also the thing that's bringing them together so far. Peter's clearly very excited about this encounter as he swings away. But it's just like a nice musical point there to differentiate between using the love theme and this first big encounter between Spider-Man and Mary Jane. Well, you know, nothing like uh, you know, getting to web swing with the girl you have a crush on to uh, make up for a horrific terrorist attack with <laughs> what I'm sure are many fatalities and millions and millions in property damage in Times Square, <laughs> you know, nothing that can't be made up with uh... Uh, a superhero stalker. <laughs> so the usage of the Spider-Man theme pretty much continues in the same way. Mm -hmm. We have more back and forth battles between Spider-Man's theme and the Goblin's theme in the fire and very notably in the huge ending sequence that they have. But the Spider-Man theme, of course, is only one half of the musical representation of Peter, you know? And if I can quote Danny Elfman again on the uh, behind the scenes documentary about the music, Danny says, Peter Parker and Spider-Man actually had two different themes that I used. You know, I used one for Peter Parker and one for Spider-Man. And that was a little bit of a process I went through with Sam, because first I wrote the Spider-Man theme, 
I thought, yeah, that was very clear. That's Spider-Man, a hero swinging through buildings and saving the girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, and something really brassy and heroic. Yeah, it didn't seem to play the heart of the kind of lost Peter Parker character looking hmm. to please Ben. That was the struggle. It's like, this theme is working for Spider-Man, but it's not playing that heart of the character. Then I found a variation on part of Spider-Man's theme and spun that into a whole different theme, which became Peter Parker's theme. And then once I got that, I realized, wow, it's like it really, there's two sides of the character and two different themes that seem to play them. Sam was like really, really happy at that point because that's what he was looking for in the film. I think that's a brilliant thing to hit yeah. on in terms of Danny Elfman's score here. No, yeah, that's honestly my favorite from the, the whole movie, honestly. I have to agree with you. There's something really special about that. It's nobility. It's It just, you know, as far as it making me feel emotional watching the movie, like that responsibility theme, I mean, the way it plays when he returns to the house after Uncle Ben passes away and, you know, Aunt May is just, she just is inconsolable at that point. It just really... Yeah, I, I don't know. That just, it's such a poignant moment. And that, yeah. that music really is what gives it that edge, that resonance, I think. And likewise, I think of that responsibility theme too, when I see, you know, at the very end, when Peter's uh, walking away from Uncle Ben's uh, gravestone. Yes. That's kind of what I think of. It's like, you know, when he thinks about Uncle Ben, he thinks about that responsibility, that uh, that vow he took to be Spider-Man. Yeah. Well, you've hit on something really interesting there, Sean. And that's the slightly ambiguous connotations of the theme and that's not a to say that's a bad thing i mean that's one of the great ways of using a theme that it does take on different ideas and can mean different things in different contexts Mm -hmm. and that's one of the things that makes this score so rewarding is like the multiple different angles interpretations you can take because the very first time we hear the peter slash responsibility theme it's in the overture we hear spider-man's theme a lot and then there's sort of this pause. And then the Peter theme, the responsibility theme, just comes flowing through. bits of that Peter theme transitioning us from the main titles Mm -hmm. to Peter as he monologues and the spider we see in the alley and then ultimately we see Mary Jane. But the real first time that we really hear a full, proper take on the responsibility theme is actually when Peter speaks with Uncle Ben mm-hmm. after he's gotten his powers and he's coming down the steps. He's like, you know, hey, Michael- Michelangelo, you know, don't forget, we're painting the kitchen tonight.
I know it's not related to the score. I just wanted to say, though, that I like that scene because it's one of the very, very few that we have of Peter and Uncle Ben while he's still alive. Like, you get the impression that they've had that banter for years. Oh, yeah, yeah. Don't start without me. Well, don't start up with me. I, I just really like that. And, you know, I think it's even, like, shows you a little bit of where Peter's humor comes from. You know, mm-hmm. Uncle Ben seems like a pretty fun, Yeah, you know, likes to make jokes and, you know, quipping Aunt May about teenagers, raging hormones, never change. Or... <laughs> Even at the very beginning of the movie when he's like, man, even the computers need analysts these days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You get to see a little bit like some of Peter's humor comes from his uncle. His turn of phrase of uh, downsizing their employees, upsizing their profits. I mean, yeah. Uncle Ben's a pretty, uh, pretty, pretty clever guy. Yeah, for as little as we see Uncle Ben, he makes such an outsized impact. And you can see very clearly how much of that Peter carries with him. And that's why I think it's so notable that this strong statement of the responsibility theme, Peter's theme, is really sort of centered around Uncle Ben for the first time. Mm -hmm. And also, by extension, their relationship very much, you know, that dynamic between the two of them. Mm -hmm. You know, and so like you were saying before, it's nice to see the relationship in a good spot before it becomes more strained. And indeed, when they have their final falling out, there's a cue called Harsh Words, where we again hear that Peter theme, that responsibility theme. And, uh, you know, it's after they've spoken and Peter leaves Uncle Ben, watch them go for the last time. It's such a such a heartbreaking moment because we all know what's about to happen. Yeah. And again, the music really sells that emotion of Peter's really going to regret this, uh, you know, not not long from now. Yeah. So there's no like definitive terminology. Like no one has like written out the name of this theme somewhere. Mm-hmm. Danny Elfman talks about Peter Parker's theme in the behind the scenes. But I don't think there's any, like, sort of definitive decision on what it is. So, you know, you hear a lot of times people calling it the responsibility theme. And uh, for me, actually, I kind of think there's a little bit of a distinction. Hmm. It's a fine distinction. But there's sort of two sections to this theme, if you'll indulge my musicality. There's the... um Which is often then followed by either... something like that, or Mm -hmm. also a sort of fuller, more flowing version of um, Mm -hmm. and for me, I sort of think that that very first part is a little bit more specific to Peter Hmm. as a person, whereas that sort of secondary part those three descending notes, very noble, very sad, and then especially the more fleshed out, full version of that sort of descending sound, I think seems to usually hint more at responsibility. Mm -hmm. Because when we're introduced to Peter's theme in the film proper as Peter's speaking, we hear the first part, but we don't hear the second part. Hmm. We hear the first part a couple of times play. And it's not until we meet with Uncle Ben that we do get the secondary part of that theme. They're not always a package deal. Right. Very often you'll get the first statement, maybe we'll call it like the A theme, without the B theme. Hmm. As I said, you know, the connotations are fluid, and I certainly think Peter, so often, his life is about responsibility, and I think it certainly does speak to that. So I don't think it's wrong or anything to say that the A part is the responsibility theme, but I think that very often it's the B part especially that sort of carries that idea. Hmm. 
That's my interpretation anyway, listening to the score a number of times. That's what I walk away with. I think that makes sense. And we also get both of them, Peter Responsibility, Theme A and Theme B, quite a lot in that revenge queue, following Peter letting the killer go up to speaking with Aunt May about the tragic events Mm -hmm. of that night. It's interesting because for most of Peter and Uncle Ben's like final moments together, we're getting that Spider-Man theme as we talked about. Mm -hmm. But then as Ben's hand slips from Peter's, that's when we get these fateful strains of Peter's theme, complete with that, what I think is specifically the responsibility portion. You know, of course, in this moment, musically, that calls back the the loving, fatherly relationship Ben had with Peter. Mm-hmm. And uh, right now, as far as we know as an audience, it could just be Uncle Ben's theme. Yeah, but that, you know, that, that's true. Looking at the larger context of the film, when we return to it, though, we'll sort of be reminded that this theme, in some ways, is always going to be connected with Peter's failure. Hmm. You know, his inability to live up to the responsibilities instilled on him by his powers. Yeah, you know, by what his his uncle hoped for him. And also for me, I think this moment sort of represents a little bit of like a passing of the torch, a passing of the theme, because we do hear for Uncle Ben, and then as he passes, his hand slips from Peter's, it's sort of like now Peter's left with the theme. Hmm. Peter's the one left in this world now to take on those philosophies, those dreams of Uncle Ben, hmm. and fulfill them. Yeah. You know, and he must fully commit now to the responsibility that Uncle Ben asks of him. And so then that responsibility theme leads directly into that rousing sequence of Peter putting on, you know, the wrestling costume again and going after Ben's killer. Such an exciting sequence. And and the music really, again, it really, really adds to that. It really adds that sense of drama, that sense of suspense. Oh, yeah. We do have this big chase with Uncle Ben's killer, perceived killer, however you want to put it. The Spider-Man theme weaves in and out of this, this chase. And then it moves to a warehouse, you know, when Peter closes in on him. And... Elfman actually wrote material for this scene that doesn't actually end up in the movie. They decide ultimately for a more quiet, tense approach. Mm -hmm. But the material is interesting because it mostly focuses around Peter's theme rather than the Spider-Man theme specifically. Maybe because of uh, Peter trying to avenge his uncle is sort of now his responsibility. You know, it sort of focuses on the heart of the character Peter and of course his relationship to Uncle Ben. I would agree with that because I think almost like I don't think he's Spider-Man yet because it's purely this is like he's avenging his uncle. This is a personal mission. This is not him undertaking crime fighting on behalf of New York at large. This is him avenging his own uncle who happened to be murdered just a few minutes before. Yeah, this is a very personal vendetta. Yeah, like this is not him, you know, embracing his responsibility as Spider-Man just yet. I mean, Hmm. he gets there pretty soon afterward, but. This is, this is like a grief-stricken nephew who just lost the only father he ever knew. And the, it's very raw. It's very fresh. And he's out for, you know, he's out for revenge. And, and that's the name of the, the track title, of course. And to your point, the Peter theme here is very dark. A lot of dark tints to it. It's very threatening. Yeah. Which is not a, a way we normally hear Peter's theme being played. Mm-hmm. But that's certainly the mindset that Peter's in here. You know, what I love about it is 
you can listen to like this revenge track, for example, and you can just picture in your mind everything that happens in the movie, you know, when he's climbing the building, when he's maybe it's because I've seen it so many times, but it's just you really can picture everything that happens. And it's like you don't even have to watch the movie. You can just listen to the song and your mind does the rest. It's 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 wonderful. Yeah, I'm glad you felt that way, too, because I think like it's such it's all there. I keep talking about the quote unquote like musical narrative, the musical storytelling. It's so strong in the score. You know, the ones on the album edit it a little bit and it's it's enjoyable to listen to, but like there's a little bit of the story being lost. Mm-hmm. But it's it's so like filling to listen to. Like it's 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 all there. Like it's fun, it's interesting, it connects so well with the story. <laughs> but uh you know, it's no wonder, you know, I'm, I'm in the 0.005% uh, <laughs> top listeners of Danny Elfman. Danny, I'm your biggest fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, were geez. they. <laughs> what, what was that guy's name? Um, Kevin the CQ Cumber? Well, oh, Kevin. That was it. Kevin. Uh, but yeah, so then, um, so revenge, revenge. You know, and then in this sequence then, the music gets kind of trippy for a moment. It's a little musically surreal. We get the strained choir and electronics as like Peter looks into the face of his uncle's killer and it all connects in his mind that he could have prevented this this tragedy mm-hmm. and the music gets really tense and dissonant uh, and it builds as Peter with great ease and very furiously disarms the robber who then takes that fatal trip out the window mm-hmm And as Peter looks down at this dead man who killed his uncle, we hear the Peter slash responsibility theme, you know, A. It's a little gruff, you know, and there's some sense of finality to it. Mm-hmm. This quest for vengeance is over. And we're sort of left to wonder now, you know, we're lingering on Peter's face. What thoughts could possibly be rolling through his mind at this point? It's at this point now that that B portion, the responsibility portion of Peter's theme plays, but not as it normally would. Because, you know, we have that, um, but it doesn't resolve that way. This version, it only gets to a second note before just repeating that, echoing those two notes. It doesn't get to resolve to its third note. So I think there's this idea that there's something lost, there's something unfulfilled, this reminder that he's essentially lost. He's, you know, he's beaten the guy, but he's lost. It's a very clear Pyrrhic victory. And then from there, that that echoing of those two notes of this variation on that responsibility theme, we get this string ostinato with that, that sounds startlingly similar to a portion of the Goblin's theme, a motif that the Goblin has that we'll get into later. Hmm. So I think that's interesting, that this moment somehow connects to this other primary evil force to Peter. And then also, it's sort of a very similar staccato string ostinato that's going to play when Peter's in a similar situation at the end of the movie, when he's looking at Norman Osborn. Mm -hmm. Sort of bookending this, these dual tragedies in Peter's life. Which, not coincidentally, the loss of his two uh, father figures, his Uncle Ben and uh, Norman Osborn. You're right. Kind of going through the same tragedy twice there, you know, losing his uncle and then losing his yeah, one of his yeah. mentors and inspirations as a scientific mind. Potential I mean, father figures. Yeah. Yeah. And so it sort of really anticipates what's in store for Peter in this movie, and of course, by extension, just being Spider Man. That he can sort of never escape mm-hmm. death yeah. and grief. 
forever. We get this twinkling music now, cooing choir, and the music transitions, along with the film, to this cityscape. Peter perches on a gargoyle, overlooking the skyline, collecting his thoughts, and then the music follows him home. This mournful strain of Peter's theme, then followed by the secondary part of the theme, but the full version of it, not just the three-note one, but the whole descending responsibility theme. The mm -hmm. full weight of this, complete with these quietly tolling bells in the background as Peter shares with Aunt May the terrible news of Uncle Ben's death. And so that Peter theme, responsibility theme, just hits him so hard here. And it's so emotional. It is. You know, it is. the film fades out as the music fades out. It's such a, it's such a heart wrenching moment. It's like, how could you possibly do that justice with words? So yeah. I like the way that they leave it slightly ambiguous as to what exactly went down, because the emotion is there, and that's that's the main thing. Yeah. So we have this big emotional scene as all this plays out for Peter that horrible night, and the film moves on, time moves on for Peter. He graduates, and then going home, he cries, missing Ben. And as a side note, we do get a really beautiful, singular piece of music right here. The track is called Alone. It's Aunt May talking to Peter, sort of consoling him. Mm -hmm. Beautiful strings, piano, wind instruments. It's not necessarily apparent in this movie because it only happens once, but as it returns in the next movie, it becomes obvious that this is Aunt May's theme. Hmm. And it's this very slow, comforting, you know, gently falling and ultimately rising piece of music. Hmm. It's got this like delicate wisdom, solace, quiet encouragement and growth. Maybe it sounds a little bit religious hmm. in some capacities. Basically, it's just like this perfect musical encapsulation of Aunt May. Just to that last point, from what we see of her, I would say Aunt May seems relatively religious. I mean, we see her praying the Our Father later yeah. in the movie. The, the Parkers actually have like a like a holy water fountain by their front door. Well, they're, okay. Well, they're probably like old school New York Catholics, I would imagine. Yeah, I don't think that fully translates to Peter, but certainly for Aunt May and presumably Uncle Ben as well. But like certainly Aunt May. Yeah. And so I think that comes across in her theme too, which is like I said, just a beautiful perfect musical encapsulation of her. But then as that music recedes, the city montage cue begins. It begins with this like very portentous statement of Peter's theme on this like noble French horn. A choir joins in. We get the, that same sort of slapping sort of mythic percussion we had in the film's opening. Hmm. It's that mythic sort of sound. And it's the same sound, too, we'll hear again at the end of the movie, a very similar moment of the responsibility theme playing as that percussion sounds very momentously before we leap off into Spider-Man's theme at the end of the film. So this also sort of, like, prefigures that. But this is the beginning, and then we get that again at the end when he's at the gravesite, you know, as Peter ultimately says that he can only be a friend with Mary Jane. That final symbolic act that we see in the movie of him 
taking on that responsibility mm-hmm. because it's this is the one thing he's always wanted being together with MJ and he's decided it's the most responsible thing not to do that and so he's going to he's going to let that go so we get that same piece of music here with that city montage and percussion and that responsibility theme rising once again And so, yeah, the responsibility theme, Peter's theme, like you said, just so beautiful. It's just so powerful. It's just so resonant. And I think maybe what makes it more resonant is that it plays at these moments where you are, your emotions are kind of at their, you you feel them more acutely. Like, you know, and frankly, yeah. a lot of it is around like people passing away, which let's face it, when somebody close to you dies, it's it's very heartbreaking. It's hard. It It's just a hole that can never quite be filled. So maybe that's why that tune takes on more resonance because mm. you know, in the movie it's it's associated with those sad moments and then those are always the ones in real life that feel more more difficult and more intense than others. That's a good point. We we probably can relate to those moments and by extension that theme yeah. more so than we can like the triumphant swinging and brassy fanfares. Exactly. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Two sides of Peter so well represented through this music absolutely it's not as simple as just you know when peter's on screen the peter theme plays when spider-man's on screen the spider-man theme plays yeah you know like they're totally like can be happen at any time because it doesn't just score the quote-unquote persona you're seeing on the screen Mm -hmm. it scores how he's feeling you know what he's drawing from is he maybe being more responsible is he using the power irresponsibly is is it the powers that's getting him into trouble here there's just a wealth of what can be communicated musically through that? Absolutely. Well, just as Danny Elfman's score dazzles us in the movie and moves us in ways we never thought possible, hmm. let's see if Peter and I can dazzle ourselves and each other in another fantastic game of brilliant or lazy. All right. I'm really curious uh, what question you've come up okay, for I'm, here. I'm very excited for this. Co- I The more excited I... you are, the more nervous I get. So... <laughs> Well, Peter, in uh, the Mary Jane episode, I asked you a question about what song they listened to, her and Harry, that is. What song did they listen to while they were making their omelets? And of course, right. it and was, I got uh, that one tw- real easy. You got it easy. Well, <laughs> this is a similar question, but I'm curious if you'll get this one quite as quickly. And okay. if you do, then my hat is off to you. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's another Spider-Man 3 related question. Okay. So since we're talking about music here. They Say It's Wonderful was the name of the song that Mary Jane sings in her uh, Mm. short-lived Broadway musical career in Manhattan Memories. Yep. Name the composer and what musical that song was originally from. Ah, shoot. Is that Irvin Berlin? Okay, that's, that's, you're half right. You're halfway there. That is the composer. What was the musical that he wrote it for? Son of a gun. They Say It's Wonderful. Uh, jeez. Uh, (laughs) Sean. I, uh. There, there's a Dang. well okay i'll let you they uh, say it's wonderful like it, it's sort of like one of those classic standards but i i don't know i think of it as its own thing what did it come from i feel like as soon as you say it i'm gonna i'm gonna kick myself about it uh i <laughs> all i'm thinking of are like um oklahoma and, and like stuff. rogers and hammerstein Ro- yeah all i'm thinking of is like yeah. rogers and hammerstein yeah musicals yeah so what, what what do we got, Sean? Well, it's really funny because you use the phrase "son of a gun." Oh, oh it's no! It's from the musical. It's Andy, get your gun. That is right. Oh <laughs> no! 
Okay, well, no, I didn't get that. But that's uh, why I was laughing because I thought you son know, of that, a gun. Yeah, I see. <laughs> <laughs> I should have picked uh, up on that. You thought that would like maybe trigger something in my mind. Tri- yeah. Again, trigger. You know, you're you're, you're, you're shoot. You're using a lot of uh, gun related terms here, but well, uh, it's very easy to make a gun pun. So, but you got Irving, you got Irving Berlin, you know. Yeah, I'm I'm half brilliant or half lazy, depending on how you look at it. I guess uh, you know it's funny. I'll bet you that that could be like you know people say you're a glass half empty or glass half full kind of guy. We could say you know you're a half brilliant or a half lazy kind of guy. You know, <laughs> kind of a similar way of uh, of you know defining your outlook on the world. <laughs> but no, I, I I you know you you got Irving Berlin, and that's you know that's half the battle right yeah, there. Yeah, I thought I was I'm, I was fairly red. I'm like I know this. It's Irving Berlin. But uh, you had that part B question that really, that's that's the kicker right there. Uh, good question, Sean. Good question. All right. Well, now for you, Sean. Okay. My brilliant or lazy question gets us a little bit more back to Danny Elfman specifically. Okay. How many films did Danny Elfman and Sam Raimi collaborate on by the time of Spider-Man? Well, I know you mentioned one, which was... Um... I don't remember the name of it, but I know you mentioned there was one they did together in uh, the 90s. 1990s Dark Man. Okay. So that's one. Their very first. Maybe they did. Um, I know Sam Raimi's biggest pre-Spider-Man movies were Evil Dead. This is true. This is true. Okay. So I'm going to I'm gonna guess four, four movies they did together before Spider-Man. Wow. Okay. Interesting. It's actually not, not as many as you think. They only did two. Huh. Uh, Dark Man in 90, and then A Simple Plan in 1998. Hmm. Um, but three, I guess, if you count the final Evil Dead movie in the trilogy, which was actually scored by Joseph LaDuca, the usual mm-hmm. Evil Dead person, but Danny Elfman did write a theme that was woven into that movie, huh. uh, the March <laughs> of the Dead theme. Interesting. So kind of, that's literally what happened to him with Spider-Man 3, where you know somebody else scored it, but some of his themes were incorporated into it. Well, that's true. Yeah, that's true. But, you know, certainly for a much friendlier tone here, because here he just really wanted to do something, you know, to participate in Evil Dead somehow. Hmm. So he at least wrote a fairly cool march that was sort of stitched into it. Hmm. Interesting. But yeah. So anyway, so yeah, not as many as you'd think, really. But uh, still, you know, in terms of film composer director relationships, I mean, at this point, we've got what, two, three, four, five, six you know, six, and then a little bit counting that last Evil Dead movie. So that's, I mean, that's, you know, quite amount of work done together. Yeah. Hmm. So, I guess that means you're lazy, Sean. I guess so. That's <laughs> that's what I get for. Uh, that's okay. That was a tough one. That's, that was well, a tough that's what one. I that's... get for only associating him with the Simpsons theme song, which is one <laughs> song and a pretty short one at that, because you know the actual episodes, the scoring was done by a guy named uh, Alf Clausen for many years. For like the first twenty-five seasons of the show, it was the same guy. Oh dang. Well, even then, Danny Elfman says like he he like banged that theme out like on the car ride home after his meeting with uh, Matt Groening. Isn't that something? Yeah. Th- that's amazing that, like, you know, it's such an iconic piece of TV history. He wrote that just, I don't want to say, like, as an afterthought, but it's like he just pulled that out of thin air, and it's yeah. like that's such an, it's such a cool song, and it just really sets up this world of Springfield, and, you know, they use it a lot in the show itself. I mean, right. you hear different, kind of like with Spider-Man, you hear different variations on the Simpsons theme. There's one particular rendition that I always like. They always play it, like, when the sun's coming up in the morning. It's very pretty. It's hmm. very quiet i don't know it's just really cool that they they've used that in so many ways over the years with the show and he wrote that song as again sort of like uh just he just kind of winged it and yeah boom it's like it's a it's a piece of tv history yeah it's iconic yeah no doubt and that's kind of funny the way uh inspiration works like that Mm -hmm. sometimes you work really hard and sometimes you just sort of 
something comes to you and you put it down and, and that lives forever. <laughs> and I think the irony is not lost on him either. Yeah. You know, as we talked about earlier. Having said all that, Sean, I got to tell you, I just really love the score. <laughs> I just really love this score. And I'll tell you, I, I mean, <laughs> I know I've known that for a long time. Well, and you know, the Spider-Man themes are brilliant. The theme for Spider-Man and the theme for Peter. But you know, I don't think it gets a lot of focus. But the Spider-Man series has one of the most gorgeous love themes, in my opinion. Yeah. I just absolutely love Danny Elfman's love theme. It's so incredible. It's so touching. Yeah. And one of the interesting things about it, similar to a lot of the other themes we've talked about so far, it's sort of made of different components. And these components can be used separately and in different contexts. We've talked about the Spider-Man theme. It's it's a very long, sweeping theme, as heard in its entirety in the mm -hmm. main titles. And Elfman can and does pick from different parts of it to use sometimes. Mm -hmm. Primarily, there's a certain part that he uses, but he uses other parts as well, as needed. And then with the, the Peter Parker slash responsibility theme, there's sort of an A section and a B section. And even mm -hmm. then, that, that B section is is mutable. It changes. There's sort of different tacks that it can take for that second part of that. Yeah. The Goblin theme does the same thing, and so does this love theme. There's a primary sort of three-note motif that it has, something to the effect of like... And then that can be done a couple of times. It can be done in a way that flows into something else. So from a developmental standpoint, it can go in different directions. That's one of the cores of it. And for me, that rising three notes, it feels itself like a development, like a growing, mm -hmm. like a, a feeling that's bubbling to the surface. Maybe something that's reaching, reaching out to try to find something. Hmm. From like a musically architectural standpoint, I think that's something that sort of conveys this idea of longing hmm. and wistfulness and bittersweetness to the theme. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy, yeah. Oh, boy, yeah. <laughs> And, and like that piece of that motif can stand on its own. It does at different points in this movie and, and the sequel. And there's other parts to it too. There's sort of like a four note rising and falling thing that similarly I think sort of conveys that you know, trying to work up some sort of a connection. Hmm. And uh, there's a part of this theme that is also sort of like structurally connected to the Spider-Man theme. which is, of course, very apropos for their relationship here. Mm -hmm. But that's a fascinating element to this, the pieces of it that Danny Elfman can use in this sort of sandbox 
to use in different ways and incorporate in a lot of different ways. And again, it just makes it so malleable. Also, the way it develops in a similar way to the the Spider-Man and the Peter Parker themes, it develops in such an interesting narrative way. Right from the very beginning, Peter tells us it's all about a girl. And from the very beginning of the score, it knows that piece of information. It starts out with this very cold, very sort of distant... That love theme on strings, just a little little snippet of it. It's a little phrase. And then as the film proper opens, the first time we hear it sort of more in full is uh, on the bus. Hmm. Peter's getting on the bus, that's named the queue. MJ stops the bus for Peter, and we hear a very light and still undeveloped take on the love theme. And then we hear a fuller version of it, still early, but a slightly more fleshed out version of it as Peter and MJ do make a little bit of a connection at the field trip. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the, the cue called Spider Bite right before Peter gets bitten. And so that's, of course, a very important moment, a moment that MJ sort of indirectly led to. And uh, we get a slightly more developed bit of their theme there. That is, in the expanded soundtrack material anyway. Because in the film, I believe the original cue is replaced with a portion of this next track, Hmm. which in its entirety gives Peter and MJ their first major musical connection. Yeah. And the most developed version of the love theme in the movie thus far. Mm Mm-hmm. The cue, Backyard Connection. Yes, that's... That's, again, another iconic scene. I know, I don't think it's any coincidence that so many of the iconic scenes from this movie are associated with very definitive versions of these musical themes. That's a good point, yeah. So that backyard scene is just so earnest. It's so heartfelt. And, you know, you see Mary Jane really open up to Peter there and you see him open up to her. Yeah, yeah. It just feels like they're being honest, um, you know, about a lot of things for the first time right there, or at least for the first time in a long time. And the music is there to capture that. Mm -hmm. We've heard the theme before, but it's been very light and it's still not fully developed here however it is so much more fleshed out the orchestra really joins in more into this yeah the theme really captures like this beautiful sense of like pure innocent longing there's this very bittersweet feeling to it i wouldn't exactly describe the theme as like warm sounding necessarily yeah it almost sounds a little bit cold and distant Hmm. you know they're they're trying to connect they're not quite there yet Mm -hmm. and it's very similar to the way we'll hear it later Mm -hmm. except there's a way that this can go that we'll find out later There's a direction it can go where it sort of reaches a musical climax into a certain resolution. There's like a payoff that this isn't allowed to go into yet when Hmm. we hear it in this scene. 
there's something that this theme can do that it doesn't do yet because it's not developed to that point yet. Yeah. They haven't reached that point in their relationship. It's building suspense, though. It's it's setting the scene. It's laying the foundation yeah, yeah, yeah. for later on. But yeah, right now, things are still very undeveloped. There's still, again, a lot of feeling things out. You're trying to see what, you know, what does the, how does this other person feel about me? How do I feel about them? How much can I reveal right now? Can I really show my full deck? And the music really complements that. Uh, yeah. It definitely is... Like you said, it's not. There's something it's not saying, and yeah, as much as is being said in that scene, there are are still more things that can be said, but are not yet. Yeah, but will be eventually. It's a good way to put it. And then, in the film, the music ends when MJ says she she's got to go, and she leaves with with Flash. But Elfman wrote just a little bit more. The music sort of swells back again for for another small piece. And that piece of music right there, as Peter's watching her go, it ends without resolution. Hmm. And that's sort of a technique that Elfman used a lot on his score to Edward Scissorhands. You know, he had this great theme. and It was never, ever, like, allowed to reach a satisfying conclusion to the ear. Hmm. And that technique sort of gives you this sort of feeling that, like, we're not there yet. There's something wrong. There's more to go. Something's not right. Hmm. And uh, that instance here sort of reinforces that even if it's only on the completed expanded version of the score well something's definitely not right at that point because she's still dating flash and it's a very superficial relationship from everything we've seen there's no real substance to it it's just popular guy dating popular girl and yeah you know i think that moment kind of symbolizes that you know mary jane you know we talk about this in our mary jane episode but after having this very earnest and honest conversation with peter she meets up with flash there you know when he goes to her house and she sort of puts on this face of a bubbly outgoing popular affect and yeah it's definitely a very shallow relationship and you know at that point in the movie at that point in our journey along with these characters uh, th- a lot of things are still undeveloped and are, are still being figured out so yeah so I love the way Elfman's able to get that across here that the connection is growing because like this is orchestrally this is like the fullest version of the love theme we've heard so far and yet in the actual writing of it there's a whole section of the theme that hasn't opened up yet to them hmm. you know that's still to come as their relationship gets gets further along. That's awesome. And then we hear the theme immediately following that as Peter's doing the costume montage. Mm-hmm. I love it, you know, when Peter's fantasizing about being together with MJ with a cool car and everything, we get to hear that love theme on the electric guitar, you know, as that little montage image crosses the screen. And again, that sort of connects back into that, like, this is still very, like, youthful exuberance. This is just still a kid imagining, drawing <laughs> images of what he's going to be, what his well, life's going to be. Again, at that age, though, that is your whole life, though, your, your oh, yeah. high school crush. Again, we talked about this in the Mary Jane episode, but, you know, at that age, that is your whole life. You know, Peter it doesn't look like he has much of a social life, but um, he is uh, certainly daydreaming of, of a much more 
satisfying one. So sure. you know, he looks like he's pretty engrossed in whatever he's doing there. And the music, again, really conveys that sort of energy, that excitement. You know, like, oh, man, I have a chance now. Like, I think he's probably coming off a little bit of a high there of like, wow, like that's the most I've talked to her in years. Like, that's the best conversation I've had with her in a long time. I, I really feel like I, I made up for some lost time there. So he's hmm. kind of probably on a little bit of a high right there. And the music, it really, at least to me, it always has conveyed this energy and excitement and this sense of possibility. You know, yeah. he's still, there's there's these new powers. He is designing these. I mean, he's a good artist, too, by the way. Like, you know, the, the costume he draws up he's there a is great artist. pretty good. Yeah. Like, that's a really good drawing. Yeah. I'll yeah. Say. So the music just is like, again, that scene just wouldn't work without it. Just at the end of the day, you need that that music, that audio component to it. Oh, yeah. And the way that the the electric guitar comes in there, you know, in relationship to the rest of the score, which does not feature electric guitar, you know, it definitely sort of plays up that youthful, still adolescent Mm -hmm. stage of their lives. So I love the way that that instrument can sort of get that across for both the Spider-Man theme and MJ's theme there. For sure. No, absolutely. Now, and then we get the, the theme again outside of the Moondance Diner. It's still not very thickly orchestrated. It's still awaiting further development. Until we get to the famous kiss in the rain scene. Mm -hmm. Hint, trouble, kiss. It's referred to as near the cues. As Peter runs into MJ after her failed edition. Toward the end of their conversation, it begins with this little bit of the love theme, kind of very briefly. You know, we get that three-note motif again. Mm-hmm. That three-note motif is able to sort of flush out to a four-note motif as she's walking away. And then it's sort of interrupted by these like very sinister tones and the orchestra just goes nuts. We get this very stressful plucking and percussion, very tense writing, and then it spills into this like, you know, these scrambled bouts of frantic piano, frantic strings, zigzagging with brass and percussion and some Mm -hmm. electronics as MJ's fighting off her attackers. The Spidey theme swings in on brass get some fun Mickey Mousing as little woodwind zips uh, the bad guys off as Peter's webbing yanks them away. And then we get more of that orchestral chaos as Peter's fighting the thugs and then it softens to these woodwinds as he makes eye contact with MJ. He runs away and then returns and then we hear this motif part of the love theme that sort of connects MJ with Peter. There's a similarity, structural similarity in it between the Spider-Man theme and the love theme. and they're making this connection. And we have these build up and then finally give way to these like deep flowing strings and the sparkling music. 
as it's finally allowed to develop to that section of the theme that it hasn't gotten to yet. It finally opens up and reaches this point, this big musical climactic resolution where it just sort of flows mm -hmm. and it sweeps and it flourishes. Gorgeous, lush fantasy romance music as they finally make this over love connection here. The love is requited, if only for a moment, in this sort of fantasy setting of like mm -hmm. superhero saviors and like thrillingly secret identities in the rain. And then it ends with this burst of sort of like a fantastical, somewhat uncommon variation on the Spider-Man theme uh, as we transition back to the city. But that's musically such a pivotal moment hmm. in their relationship as we develop that. No, it's a, yet again, another iconic scene that would not work without, uh, without the musical accompaniment there. No, not at all. That love theme returns again in the farewell. Heartbreaking, as Peter's inner monologue says, all I wanted was to tell her how much I loved her. Mm -hmm. And there's this flute, it sort of rises and then sort of like cracks, it sort of like falls. Just the way, I don't know, it, it, mm -hmm. the, the thin innocence, the, 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 the barren vulnerability of it, of that flute, it's deferred motion, hmm. it just gets me every time. Mm-hmm. And the love theme sort of is allowed to fall and descend. We hear that Peter responsibility theme playing, and that builds, and like I said, we get that strong percussion again. That same city montage music as Peter was beginning his journey as Spider-Man is now here at the end, mm -hmm. as that the Peter Parker responsibility theme builds into the Spider-Man theme. very triumphant snap into the Spider-Man theme as he leaps through the city. And um, on that behind the scenes feature about the music, Sam Raimi says, when Peter Parker finally becomes Spider-Man by the end of the picture and accepts his responsibilities, the responsibilities that come with great power, I hear the music finally soar in a complete theme. And when the chorus kicks in, it's just very moving to me. And I feel that he has fulfilled his destiny. Hmm. Musically speaking, like this is P Peter's final moment of growth in the story of his responsibility, when he realizes that all he's ever wanted is exactly what he has to let go of to be responsible, to do this job that's been handed down to him. Yeah. Love theme to responsibility to Spider-Man. Such a beautiful narrative discussion happening here of what he's leaving behind out of responsibility to be Spider-Man. Mm -hmm. There's just a lot going on in that scene there, yeah. Yeah, and it's just incredible. And if I'm in the right right frame of mind and I'm sitting down really listening to it, that love theme in The Farewell can 
absolutely move me to tears. It's gorgeous. Yeah. I mean, as great as the, the Spider-Man theme is, the great fanfare, sweeping, soaring, and as noble and as heartbreaking as the Peter Parker theme is, like, just as wonderful is that love theme, Mary Jane's theme. It's fantastic. Danny Elfman did such an incredible job with it. Absolutely. <laughs> and now Norman's theme is also fantastic. <laughs> it, it's a very I, different. It's like, how do you transition from that? You know, how do you segue from something that just plucks your heart in, in such a, a personal way to it does. Norman's it, it, theme, which, um, yeah. Well, that's, that's a great point. You know, like Peter's theme, MJ's theme, they really do play your heart like a fiddle. What Norman's theme does is it does a really good job at following that cold shiver running down your spine. <laughs> it, it definitely plays you in a totally different way. It's very creepy. Yeah. As Danny Elfman said, when he's going to score these things, he won't score it straight through from the beginning. The first thing that Danny Elfman will do is he'll watch the movie and he'll block out, okay, there's a key scene, there's a key scene, and he'll make sure he gets these key scenes down with these key characters. Mm -hmm. And that's how he sort of comes up with his themes. He's like, okay, if I can get this theme here in this scene, great. And I'll take that and that'll be that character's theme. Hmm. And he said, when it came to the Goblin's theme, I'm going to quote him here. He says, I pick up on weird, subtle stuff. The Goblin, for example, I got his theme not from anything physical he was doing at all. I got his theme from a scene where Willem Dafoe is talking in the mirror to himself. Hmm. And it's before he really knows he's the Goblin. Hmm. And it was that weird twisted quality that he gave that conversation that gave me the goblin's theme hmm. so for danny elfman that was the heart of the character right there yeah hmm. and norman's theme also has like a a pretty interesting bit of development you know like when the oscorp board of directors first shows up we don't get the goblin's theme hmm. but we get these sort of low creepy woodwinds the sort of harbinge the direction that norman's going to be going hmm And then it's in that track on the album, Transformation. We don't actually get the Goblin's theme there, but it's similarly sort of a tone and a vibe. Uh, and that piece of music is just so... It, it, it's basically a waltz. Hmm. That gives a sort of an ironic, somewhat like aloof atmosphere as it sort of creeps up and down, skirting around the edge of the disaster we all know is about to happen. Hmm. And these spooky, drifting strings presage the goblin's theme to come. Yeah. And then, of course, it all goes frantic and haywire as the experiment goes horribly wrong. But the first time we hear Goblin's theme proper is when we transition to the Osborne penthouse later and Harry finds his father on the floor. Mm, yeah. Well, after that point, certainly things are a little bit different for Norman.
Then we hear the theme bursting through as the goblin destroys everyone, everything at the Quest Aerospace testing site. Mm-hmm. Then when Norman gets the boot, which is uh, the name of the queue, you know, it, it's a <laughs> short the name of sort it? of like... Yeah, that's uh, it's, Norman gets the boot. That's funny. I mean, it's true, but that's kind of funny. <laughs> Again, yet another iconic scene where if you know anything about the movie, you you know that scene, which is he you know yells out, you know how much I sacrificed? Yeah. Now, this, this is sort of like a short musical button to this scene now as he's unceremoniously relieved from his company and we get this sort of low hint at the madness beneath the surface as we get this sort of threatening percussion. And it's joined by these growling string tremolos that tremble with the first part of the goblin's theme, which is then answered by like this spooky, slithery woodwind. And the music builds. And then it disperses. Hmm. For now. Because Norman has a plan now. Mm-hmm. He's anticipating what's to come. And so then it's not long now that the the piece really comes to light as it faces off against spider-man's theme for the first time in the uh, parade attack piece which is another great really exciting piece of music it it opens with this sort of anticipatory string ostinato very choppy string ostinato Mm -hmm. you know as the goblins on the horizon letting you know to anticipate impending disaster on the way It's, it's sort of a detachable motif that can be used as part of it or separate from it, just like the other themes here have all these different motifs that are part of it that can be used in different ways as part of Danny Elfman's toolbox here. And then the Goblin's main melody sort of glides in, hmm. you know, at this point. <laughs> Did you pick that word intentionally? Glide? Glides in? No, you know, I didn't, but like, that's the thing. Like, that's how I would describe the music, and that's what's happening on the screen like the music seems to really capture that sort of floaty this sort of legato smooth sort of up and down that does musically capture what we're seeing visually of norman on the glider Hmm. as well as that sort of like up down high low back forth twisted nature of him talking to himself back and forth these different sides of him competing Mm -hmm. this threatening spooky nature it captures all of that this theme And it's interesting, too. I mean, here we have two characters that both sort of float through the air. And Elfman manages to, like, capture that physicality of them in very different ways. Norman's is kind of, like I said, more legato. It kind of floats a little bit more from one note to the other, very smooth, Hmm. sort of like the glider. And it's very creepy, and it focuses on, like, these, like, low-sounding instruments, Hmm. very guttural at times. Whereas Spidey's is very brassy and strong and powered and there is a little bit more of like a disconnect in the way his theme moves to sort of capture a little bit more of like the some of the like jerkiness but some of the like elegantness of him swinging from one web to the other Hmm. swing jump swing jump Hmm. and it's kind of impressive as the goblin might say how he manages to do that musically Hmm. Yeah, that's true. It's like web swinging is a lot of individual movements, whereas gliding is just one continuous movement. So, you know, it's interesting that the music reflects that. Something I'd never really thought about, but you know what? You're right. I I definitely can see that. And we've already talked about the music going back and forth in this musical battle. Mm -hmm. 
And then after that, though, Norman returns home. We do get that scene that Elfman talked about of Norman speaking in the mirror. And uh, that's a really cool set piece for the Goblins theme. Mm-hmm. Danny Elfman sort of like, it sort of breaks down and disassembles these component parts of the Goblins theme. Hmm. And then like builds them back together again. So like, this is the scene where Norman's finding himself essentially in the same way that earlier Peter was finding himself as mm, he's yeah, drawing yeah. and getting closer to his theme. Norman's sort of finding himself in a sense here. It's exceedingly creepy. <laughs> it begins with these string tremolos and this unsettling brass that announces the goblin's spectral presence. The track is called Spectre of the Goblin. Hmm. We get this sort of like tinkling bell sort of hinting us at some sort of danger, also sort of capturing that cold shiver running down your spine. <laughs> as well as these like trilling woodwinds and these like really tense strings creeping around Norman as his voice is calling out to him. So there's like pieces here of the theme, different instruments floating around Norman. And then we get this like threatening, almost like primordial percussion. Hmm. Very threatening, uh, sounds yes. very, very bass, yes, yes. very ancient in some ways. Yeah, it's exactly. Yeah, very primordial. Yeah, I just love that. Um, and I'm pretty sure that they use that on the DVD when uh, you're transitioning to one of the different bonus features. Oh, yeah, That's another reason yeah. it kind of sticks out in my mind. I think you're right. Well, I, I love that scene. He's having that conversation with himself in the mirror, and there's, like, that mm. percussion when he's looking around the room. Looking over his many masks. Yeah. Right after Goblin says what you just quoted, you know, follow that cold shiver running down your spine. Yeah. Now, I mean, Norman's theme, you know, that's all coming together here. Like, these different masks, these different personas that Norman may take on. That's, you know, where that's meeting here with these drums, which, for me, you know, this is sort of like an old, you know, drum. That's pretty ancient instrument mm -hmm. and it's mixed in here now with electronics as well so we get this uncanny blend of like the very old and the very new hmm. in this strange sort of surreal atmosphere hmm. and then as the goblin sort of explains his plan to him in the mirror his theme grows stronger and we get that low what i called earlier the uh, anticipatory string ostinato mm -hmm. that starts chopping very forcefully the high strings float around with that threatening tremolo. There's these guttural woodwinds menacingly growing and then finally blasting as that percussion from the mass starts pounding away beneath it. And so all these like individual pieces that have been floating around Norman all start coming together here hmm. as the theme grows as Norman smiles menacingly in the mirror. And I think that's, again, just a awesome way to sort of like you know, in a way like sort of like lay out your pieces these are the different component parts of the goblin theme this is norman slowly finding them as they slowly gather around him and build into the goblin hmm. and that, that that blows me away the scene blows me away yeah and the music blows me away and putting them together is just an incredible experience another scene that i remember so vividly from you know all the times i've watched this movie just Throwing the whiskey glass in the fire, the masks, the music, just it's such a memorable scene. And, you know, I, I think you're right. It's another counterpart to an earlier scene in the film of, you know, Peter finding himself. This is Norman finding himself. Yeah. And it's a scene that, again, works really, really well. And if you took any individual component away, um, you know, music included, it just wouldn't it wouldn't be the same. Yeah. No, you're right. 
Well, yeah, the Goblin's theme then, you know, continues to menace Spider-Man, do this sort of back-and-forth battle with him up through the final confrontation. Extremely menacing. It manages to float when it needs to float. It manages to growl and burst when it needs to be overtly threatening. Mm-hmm. And another interesting thing to mention, too, is there's a sim- another structural similarity here between Peter's theme and the Goblin's theme. Hmm. The first two notes of the Spider-Man theme... And the first two notes of the Goblin theme are connected. They're related. And so as they go on these separate but parallel paths in the film, you know, we're sort of constantly reminded too, musically, even if subtly, of the the connection that they share here, either as characters, you know, a a mentorship they have going on, or as where they are in their respective heroic paths or villainous paths. Hmm. Just an absolutely wonderfully crafted score that... Couldn't agree more. ...is so expressive, conveys so much story. No, I think it's a great score, and I, I think it's great, and I've always thought this was great about you that you, know, you just have such a passion and such a knowledge of it and you can really make us appreciate it myself included I'm sure many of you listening as well like just appreciate this wonderful piece of music in new ways um, that yeah just, I hope so we already liked it but this just you know just going through it breaking it down it really shows all the all the love and all the care and all the really just the brilliance that went into you know into doing this absolutely brilliance a good word I know that would be a better transition for uh you know, Our brilliant or lazy game. Yeah, but um, but you know, you know, we've been talking a lot about the Green Goblin, and yes, we certainly have. he's a memorable character. Oh yes. And, you know, and again, like the music really accentuates um, a lot of his iconic scenes, and one of his iconic lines, where you're going of course, is the name is the name of one of our games that uh, you know, Peter uh, and I both love to play it with each other. We are who we choose to be. This is why only fools host a Spider-Man podcast. Because you never know when some lunatic co-host will come along with a sadistic choice. It's true. I wasn't expecting this. Such as? As we talked about earlier, uh, Danny Elfman did not score uh, Spider-Man 3, at least not in full. There were some production issues there, let's say, and he didn't work a whole lot on that movie. My question is sort of uh, based on that, but basically, would you rather have Danny Elfman score Spider-Man 3 in full, but... The Drive That Funky Soul montage is dropped entirely, so you don't get that uh, uh, wonderfully memeable uh, you know, part of the movie there. Mm-hmm. Or would you rather watch all three movies without any film score at all for the rest of your life, but you do get Dang. the pop song. So, like, in other words, there's no Elfman score of any kind in all three of the movies, but, you know, Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head, Drive That Funky Soul, those songs are kept in. So, no film score, but, you know, you get the pop song montages or... Danny Elfman scores Spider-Man 3, but uh, the best, well, not the best, but like one of the most uh, infamous parts of that movie is uh, jettisoned. Very interesting question, but I mean, as soon as you say not being able to ever listen to the films without the film score, I, I think that's unconscionable. <laughs> I, I, I I couldn't do that. Okay, I'd have to okay. refuse not being able to, to listen to the, the film scores. No, that, that's fair. I mean... <laughs> As good as Drive That Funky Soul is, I certainly think uh, overall, like it's far outweighed by uh, having the other 
all the other parts of the movie scored in such a great way. So I, I would agree with that. I would oh, yeah. probably choose so that option as well. You're on the same page. As, huh? as much okay. as I love, uh, you know, the Drive That Funky Soul montage. I love it too. Montage. I do. I do. It, and that it's song fun. is great in its own right. I know Good we'll song. be doing an episode eventually about the, the about the pop songs in these movies. Yeah, but, um, for sure. Yeah, you know, I think that having the score just, that makes the movies so much better. Watching these movies without the score is, is unconscionable. I, I agree. <laughs> My conscience could not uh, tolerate that. So. Well. Your conscience is going to have to be prepared to answer this question, Sean. Okay. In your life, in your real, everyday Sean life, mm-hmm. would you rather hear an anticipatory string ostinato whenever something bad is about to happen, or would you rather hear your personal theme song, Fanfare, whenever you're about to do something? Oh, uh, ooh. well, the ostinato would be nice because it would kind of forewarn me about... Uh... Something bad about to happen. It's a little bit of like a spider sense. But my own personal theme song would be pretty cool. Yeah. I got to go with the theme song. Like, I yeah. remember years and years ago, I, I, there was like a Family Guy segment where Peter Griffin had like his own theme song and, you know, it just played with him everywhere he went. And I always thought that was really cool. So. <laughs> totally. Yeah, I would I love mean, to have that. It just makes the mundane seem so much more exciting. You know, when you have a, a soundtrack. Well, that's to kind what of I comp- thought. Yeah, it kind of like hypes you up going into work. Exactly. Starting like, the school yeah, day, just, it, whatever it is. Exactly. It just makes the even the the normal uh, humdrum sorts of things you do on a daily basis, it just makes them so much more interesting. I think that's a pretty tricky question, though, because I'm not sure I can decide. Like that anticipatory string ostinato, you know, the 4-4 four, four string ostinato in D minor can sort of like <laughs> let you know that... Uh, Something's wrong a little bit yeah, in advance, but no. at the same time, you're just sore there frantically. We're like, what? Wait, yeah. where? Where's the problem? Exactly. You know, like, it doesn't where's tell. Where's it coming exactly. from? Exactly. It's like it kind of gets you prepared, but not really. Just makes you more nervous, probably. Whereas the theme song, it's like it's fun. It's like it kind of fills you like with that sense of excitement and like, oh, you know, I'm doing important things. Yeah. It just. Um, I would. I think so that's I cho- what I got to go with too. I would choose that for sure. Yeah, having that cool theme song. A spider, a musical spider sense would be kind of cool, but I yeah, no, I, I don't know. It, 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 it might not be as worth it. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Although I'm not sure, I might I might have to come back to this well, some sometimes point because uh, a musical spider man sense is pretty cool. Sometimes figuring out who we uh, <laughs> want to choose to be is pretty hard. It's not it's not always easy. No, it's 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 a sadistic choice. The goblin would approve, <laughs> but I personally had a really fun time getting ready to revisit this. I hope we all did. And if there's anything we can take away from this, it's that music, it's, a, it's an important part of a film. Absolutely. And, uh, anyone out there, if you have any other thoughts, any other interpretations on the music, please feel free to message us on Twitter. We're at SMTT Podcast, SMTT as in So Much to Tell Podcast. Drop us a line. Let us know some of your favorite tracks or like what music really speaks to you in these movies or what you think some of these themes stand for. And if you're able, uh, you know, please consider joining us on Patreon to help us make this show grow. Uh, Right now, all we got is this 20 for the rest of the week. (laughs) But until next time. Godspeed, Spider fans. Now we play our sort of uh, knockoff Danny Elfman music. (laughs) But it's ours. It's good captures the essence of it, I would say. Oh, yeah. Thank my brother for that.